0: Welcome to the King of Glory Lutheran Church Education Podcast. We are a Christian community of faith located in Williamsburg, Virginia. For more information, please visit us on the web at org.
1: Roger has copies of the study guide for you for if you want to take those home with you um outside there's also the announcement about our book club uh that's going to be on june 19th now someone has told me that we've never had good attendance for our book clubs and that nobody reads the books and so I don't care if you actually read the book, but don't not come because you didn't read the book, but you can read the book. Um, you can skim through it. This book is really easy to read through. It's joining Jesus on his mission. Um, it's a very easy read. The author makes it very accessible. Uh, chapters are short. There's no pictures, but chapters are short. Um, I actually really appreciate short chapters because it, it helps you kind of have some time to synthesize the the material. Um we're going to be doing that on June 19th at 10 a.m. and 6.15 p.m. And I would love to be able to prove the myth that no one comes wrong. Uh, so I would like you to come to that, please. Even even if so, I can be right. That would be great. Um, but it's actually going to prepare us because in the fall, we're going to be doing Joining Jesus on His Mission, Show Me How, on Sunday mornings. Um, and it'll be like a seven-week book study um, it's a little bit more practical application, and uh, this, this book will prepare us for that. So that's coming up after, after today. We don't have any Wednesday Bible studies until that book club on June 19th. And then in July, we're going to start our prayer uh, Wednesday morning and Wednesday evening on Facebook, our prayer series um, for the month of July and August. So you can come to that as well. Let's open with a word of prayer today. Jesus, thank you for uh, being our Savior and our God. Thank you for, thank you for everything, but especially for the salvation that you won for us on the cross. Holy Spirit, we would ask now that you would be with us, um, open our hearts and minds that we would be able to absorb your word and to implement it in our lives, so that we can see the great love that you have, God, for all of humanity. Um, back then. Uh, and even today, um, be with us as we digest this last session of Noah. Help us to um, see clearly your plan of salvation for the world. And also that that even when things look dismal, uh, even when things look like there's no way out, um, that you you provide a way out, Lord, through your son, Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen. Um, yes, Karin. Sure. So, July and August, July 10 a.m. and 9 p.m. on Facebook. So, no 6.15 p.m. So, yes. So, it'll be the same study, except for on Facebook, it's just a half an hour. It's kind of a summarization of of the Bible study. So, 10 a.m. is still going to be here, no 6.15 p.m. Elizabeth? Yes, 10 a.m., And the book club is 10 a.m. and 6.15 p.m. I'm not going to do the book club on Facebook Live because it's it's supposed to be more of a discussion. (laughs) Um, And so, uh, but, but then pastor will be back in July to teach on prayer. Larry, did you have a question? It's going to be all the time um so yeah so sundays so sundays we're starting prayer uh this coming sunday debbie ward is teaching prayer 101 for two weeks then pastor keenert is going to be teaching for two weeks on john bailey and his prayer book um and then we're going to have a series of different sunday morning studies we're going to teach on the psalms the prayers of the psalms we're going to teach on the lord's prayer and so on and so forth so if you come on sundays you'll get one bible study of prayer And Wednesdays will be a different Bible study on prayer. So the whole summer is a summer of prayer. You can pray other times, too, but we are really focusing. That's going to be prayer during the summer um, so that you know. And they'll be very different Bible studies. They will be very different. He's going to be away June 17th. 16th is a Sunday. He leaves Monday. um, And then he'll be gone through the first weekend of July. So I'll be your first Wednesday study teacher, and then he's got the rest of the summer except for the book club at the end of the summer. So he'll be gone the last two weeks of June into the first week of July. No, he won't be in Ireland all that time. So, yes. So he's going, like, he has to travel to get to the airport. You know, they're staying over in Maryland so that they can fly out. Because even though Richmond's an international airport, you still have to fly to someplace else. (laughs) Yeah, to get to get overseas. Yeah. So yeah, you're welcome. Okay, so without further ado, we'll watch our fourth uh, video of Noah here.
2: Welcome back to Noah, the man, the ark, the flood. When we last left Noah, the ark had come to rest on the mountains of Ararat in the seventh month of his 600th year. In the 10th month, the nearby mountaintops were seen. Genesis 8 continues, and Noah is still waiting in the ark. In the 600th and first year, in the first month, the first day of the month, the waters were dried from off the earth, and Noah removed the covering of the ark and looked. And behold, the face of the ground was dry. In the second month, on the 27th day of the month, the earth had dried out. Then God said to Noah, Go out from the ark, you and your wife and your sons and your sons' wives with you. Bring out with you every living thing that is with you of all flesh. Think about this global flood and what it would have done to the surface of the earth. Canyons and new mountain ranges were formed, not over tens of millions of years, but in weeks, months, or years.
3: St Helens what we observed what happened it was like a, a natural laboratory in one afternoon in 1982 a whole canyon system one-fortieth the scale of the Grand Canyon itself was formed mud flows came out of the crater because of steam mixing in with volcanic ash and it came racing down the side of the mountain and it carved its way into hundreds of feet of sediments that had been previously deposited from earlier eruptions and geologists going back there later could see this little streams trickling down the center of these hundred foot high cliffs. Their normal experience or their normal way of viewing those things would have, would have taken that little stream thousands and thousands of years to erode that valley. But it was observed to happen in one afternoon. And that's why uh, we believe that the Grand Canyon itself was
2: carved out by retreating floodwaters. There's another strange feature in geology mountains all around the world are folded and bent. You ever tried to bend a
3: rock? So if you go into the Appalachians, you'll find rock layers that are bent like that, with fossils in them. We see the same in the Grand Canyon. The two situations are comparable. The geologists say the layers took slowly, gradually, over millions of years, layer upon layer with the fossils in them and then the folding took place afterwards. The problem with that scenario is that in all those tens of millions to hundreds of millions of years where the layers were accumulating, the bottom layers would start to get hard like concrete. So how could it be that tens to hundreds of millions of years later The rock layers can be bent smoothly without fracturing, as though they were all still soft. The answer is they were all still soft. There weren't the millions of years of layer upon layer upon layer. It was a rapid succession of layers with fossils being buried in sediments during the flood. Under the waters, they were still soft within within a matter of weeks. The whole sequence is formed, and then it's bent. By earth movements. And that explains the folding we see in the Grand Canyon, the folding we see in the
2: Appalachians, where the layers have been bent without fracturing. Have you ever been away for a long time from the town you grew up in? You go back and you find stores and malls and factories have sprouted up everywhere. The creek you used to play in is now invisible because it's in underground pipe. And maybe your house isn't even there anymore. Things change. But for Noah and his family, the change was total. There, there was no more old landmarks, no hometown to revisit. He probably had no idea where he was relative to where he lived before the flood. What was the first thing he did? Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took some of every clean animal and some of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man, for the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I ever strike down every living creature as I have done. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night, shall not cease. And then Noah and his family saw one of those things talked about by the writer of Hebrews, one of those events as yet unseen. God said, This is the sign of the covenant which I am making between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all successive generations. I will set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be a sign for a covenant between me and the earth. It shall come about when I bring a cloud over the earth that the bow will be seen in the cloud, and I will remember my covenant which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh, and never again shall the water become a flood to destroy all flesh." In the suffering, death, and resurrection of His Son, Jesus Christ, God has established a new covenant, a promise to save all believers from the fiery destruction that will accompany Jesus' return to judge the living and the dead. Consider this passage, where Peter talks about Jesus' death and resurrection, the ark and Noah's great flood, and how it affects us today. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous that he might bring us to God when God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared in which a few that is eight persons were brought safely through water baptism which corresponds to this now saves you not as a removal of dirt from the body but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels authorities and powers having been subjected to him well any questions I'm sure there are biblical scholars have been studying Noah and the flood for lifetimes and they keep studying secular scientists keep digging up fossils and saying they're hundreds of millions of years old and children well children keep running outside to see a rainbow I want to leave you with this thought Buddy Davis, a staff member at Answers in Genesis, wrote a song titled, The Wonder of the Rainbow. And there's this great line in the song that goes like this. I've often wondered what Noah thought after the flood when he felt a raindrop. Something to think about next time it rains. I'm Kirk Klaus, and thank you for joining us.
1: Was it. It's so wrapped up in, in eight and a half short minutes compared to some of the other videos, which have been a little longer. So before we dive into our scripture passage, because it's a little bit longer today, so uh, once we dive in there, I'd like to, not that we can't come back to the video, but let's start first with the video. Any thoughts on, on what he shared here? Larry's got the microphone over here. And then, did I see another hand? No. Okay. Just talk a little closer. Just yeah. There you go.
0: I read this. This. Oh. (laughs) I read it this week. Just interesting. There was quoted today. But the explanation. Two sentences. Three sentences here in the explanation. It says, after 120 years, Noah could not convince another person to believe in Jesus. And then it says, the believer who is in Christ is thus in the ark of the safety that will sail over the waters of judgment into eternal glory. And it says, what saves a person plagued by sin and a guilty conscience is not some external right, but the agreement with God to put in the ark of safety the Lord Jesus by faith in his death and resurrection.
1: Yeah, so going back to that ark as being the salvation, right? What we, what we talked about la- last week, I think, that the ark is salvation. And... Great. Thank you. Yeah. All right. What else? These are our only reactions to the video. Okay. Larry's. No. All right. John. John and then John.
4: Hold the mic within about an inch of your mouth. Otherwise, okay. it doesn't come through clearly. Thank you. I think it's interesting that uh, God preordained the sacrifice because he, when he was giving instructions to Noah, he had seven pairs of clean animals and seven pairs of clean birds. Yeah. Uh, was, we have any idea that sacrifice was a, a tradition before the flood?
1: Um, so, from what I understand, that there were sacrifices, but not necessarily but they were in other religions. So sacrifice was not a, um, a foreign concept in, in that world, but not necessarily to, to God at that time. God had not established those sacrifices yet. So, John, did you want to jump on that too? Nope? Okay. Yeah, so, so we already have those sacrifices in, in place, right? Anything else? Deep?
0: So my question is, if we're, uh, we're, we're talking about the true age of the earth, what are we saying the age is not billions and billions, but, but dot, 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 let's, let's find out what the, what
1: the group thinks. John has, John has something. Yes, I know. It's your last one for a while.
5: Okay, so this is a, a good lead into what I wanted to share. And the answer is to me, use science, but use real science, which is what have I seen myself that other people can reproduce? This is all this geology is talking about speculation. What we can see is there are folds, and the, they're folded in such a way that the explanations don't quite work. Mm including theirs, because they haven't seen, we haven't seen. So we say, we don't know, don't go there, that's not science. But the alleged science that says it's this old is not based on observations. Now the fact I'll share with you, I read some of my internet news, I actually read it. The scientists have rediscovered an extinct bird. Okay, how can this be? And why I'm sharing this is, when they claim they know things and they explain them, it turns out they really don't. So there's an island in the Indian Ocean that has flightless birds. People had not been there for a while, and there were no flightless birds. And there were fossils from, according to their dating system, recent times, 60, 50,000 years ago, whatever, the island was completely submerged. Before it was submerged, it had flightless birds on it. They all died because they can't fly. (laughs) The island has come up again. Right. It's not submerged, and there are flightless birds on it. Because natural selection, that part works. Some birds came to the island and lived there. The ones that can't fly have bigger bodies, and they can do better otherwise because they don't need to fly. Mm But this all happened in very, very recent history, and it's, quote, rediscovered. But they really don't know if it's the same or not. But the point is there were flightless birds. They all died because we have fossils, bones of them, and now they're flightless birds. Again, because the water came down away from the island, and it's not about the flood. It's about their explanation of how evolution works has problems. Not that we know the answer. You shouldn't provide your own answer. You just say, there are problems with this explanation. There are problems with that explanation. So, I would go where the movie went. The folds and stuff don't make sense because the the bottom layer is all this old and it wouldn't bend. It would fracture. Mm -hmm. That's not what we see. But then don't try to offer an explanation. Right. Don't try to fill it in. Scripture doesn't say a lot about it. Mm -mm. You just say what the Bible says and then... Whatever's been observed. Talk yeah. about the issues. You need to know what the issues are if you want to get in that fight. But use real science. Don't yeah. make up your own answer about what happened. That's what I would say.
1: Well, and the I think the issue, too, is that the Bible doesn't date the flood, right? And it doesn't. Um, I handed out that sheet last week where in the, begin, the beginning of the um Lutheran Study Bible, it talks about how we don't start dating anything until written history. So the flood is is undated. <laughs> we don't have a date. We can try to fill them, right? We can try to fill it in, but it doesn't, we're just speculating at that point. Does somebody have another? Yes.
6: At the end, he comments on the song, The Rainbow. But at the same time, it caused me to remember an exam that I took in an English lit class many years ago. Uh, It was the final exam, and the professor gave us a poem that we had not seen before, titled The Rainbow. Well, I read it and did my essay exam questions and did all right. But later I went up to see the professor because I had some real... Hesitations about the poem. The poem was really a takeoff on Noah and the ark. Mm. But the rainbow was porto- portrayed as a tombstone, not as a promise. Huh. So she was looking at all the loss, but not the gain. The faith that Noah had is now ours.
1: Mm-hmm. Interesting. I'm really impressed that you can remember. An exam that you took. To <laughs> I can't remember exams. <laughs> I, I,
6: I remember more my conversation with a professor. I'm
1: sure you did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm by, sure. By the way, was the of the huh. Interesting. That's really interesting. So back to Dee's question. We haven't forgotten D here. Um, I don't think we're saying the earth is a certain age. Um I think this is just personal tara tara wolf here that if god wanted to make the earth to be young he certainly could have i think if he wanted to make the earth to be old he certainly could have um i think that especially what they said in the video with the bending (laughs) like i said have you ever tried to bend rock (laughs) no uh because you can't right and so there has to be some sort of correlation here to to what happened at, on the ark um i i would go a little bit more into um why why would we want to to know this not that it's right or wrong to kind of try to figure it out but why would we want to know this what why is this important to us as christians um and i don't know the answer i just don't know the i think that's a personal thing you know that people have john
5: Something I learned from a uh, Missouri Synod Lutheran biology professor at Liberty University. Short explanation. Evolution requires death. It doesn't work without death. If God used evolution to create the world, then there's no reason for Jesus to come and die, and death is not bad, it's part of creation, so that part of the theory of evolution is directly opposed to the Christian faith because it tries to say death is necessary for life to happen, and it's directly against the Bible. The rest of it doesn't matter. Evolution requires death, and so the answer is not how old is the earth. It is did God use death as part of creation, or did we bring it in by our own sin? Hmm. But that would that'll be the thing I would steer clear of is, we don't believe that God used death to create anything. We invoked it.
1: That's interesting. So that would be why peop- some people would care because it why would, you would go. Care, yes. Yeah, why would you care? Because it's a story in. that death
5: was that God made death and God. And you talked a lot of our brothers and sisters. They try to merge these because they right. want to fit in and they don't want to look like we do, like we have two heads. But the problem is, if. Evolution is true. Then Jesus was a chump because he died for nothing. Because God made death in the first place, and that's not what happened. We messed up. Mm-hmm. So, but just that part would be why it matters. Push back because we don't think God meant for death to be part of our world.
1: Right. Because the the whole Jesus coming is the undoing, right? And and that we no longer die forever. Okay. All right, so let's jump in to, we're going to be in 8, chapter 8, and going into chapter 9. You write down your ideas, thoughts. I'm going to read this out loud for the people online. Um, <clears throat> if you have a different translation and you want to bring up, you know, look at the different words, that's great. But go ahead and write things down as, as I read. We ended at verse 5, I believe, last week. Um But God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and all the domestic animals that were with him in the ark. And God made a wind blow over the earth, and the waters subsided. The fountains of the deep and the windows of the heavens were closed. The rain from the heavens was restrained. The waters gradually receded from the earth. At the end of 150 days, the water had abated. And in the seventh month, on the 17th day of the month, the ark came to rest on the mountains of Ararat. The waters continued to abate until the 10th month, and the 10th month, on the first day of the month, the tops of the mountains appeared. At the end of 40 days, Noah opened the window of the ark that he had made and sent out the raven, and it went to and fro until the waters were dried from the earth. Then he sent out the dove from him to see if the waters had subsided from the face of the ground. But the dove found no place to set its foot, and it returned to him to the ark, for the waters were still on the face of the whole earth. So he put out his hand and took it and brought it into the ark with him. He waited another seven days and again sent out the dove from the ark. And the dove came back to him in the evening, and there in its beak was a freshly plucked olive leaf. So Noah knew that the waters had subsided from the earth. Then he waited another seven days and sent out the dove, and it did not return to him anymore. In the 600 first year, in the first month, the first day of the month, the waters were dried up from the earth. And Noah removed the covering of the ark and looked and saw that the face of the ground was drying. In the second month, on the 27th day of the month, the earth was dry. Then God said to Noah, go out of the ark, you and your wife and your sons and your sons' wives with you. Bring out with you every living thing that is with you of all flesh, birds and animals and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, so that they may abound on the earth and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. So Noah went out with his sons and his wife and his son's wives and every animal, every creeping thing and every bird, everything that moves on the earth went out of the ark by families. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took of every clean animal and of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And when the Lord smelled the pleasing odor, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of humankind for the inclination of the human heart is evil from youth nor will I ever destroy every living creature as I have done. As long as the earth endures, sea time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night, shall not cease. God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. The fear and dread of you shall rest on every animal of the earth and on every bird of the air, on everything that creeps on the ground and on all the fish of the sea. Into your hand they are delivered." Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. And just as I gave you the green plants, I give you everything. Only you shall not eat flesh with its life, that is, its blood. For you, for your own lifeblood, I will surely require a reckoning. From every animal I will require it, and from human beings, each one for the blood of another, I will require a reckoning for human life. Whoever sheds the blood of a human, by a human shall that person's blood be shed. For in his own image, God made humankind. And you, be fruitful and multiply, abound on the earth and multiply in it. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, As for me, I am establishing my covenant with you and your descendants after you, and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the domestic animals, and every animal of the earth with you, as many as came out of the ark. I establish my covenant with you, that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of a flood, And never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. God said, this is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I've set my bow in the clouds and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the water shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. The sons of Noah went out of the ark, <clears throat> who went out of the ark were Shem, Ham, and Jepheth. Ham was a father of Canaan. These three sons were the sons of Noah, and from these the whole earth was peopled. Noah, a man of the soil, was the first to plant vineyard. He drank some of the wine and became drunk, and he lay uncovered in his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. Then Shem Shem and Japheth took a garment, laid it on their shoulders, and walked backward and covered the nakedness of their father. Their faces were turned away, and they did not see their father's nakedness. I promise you we would get to the part where Noah gets drunk and makes a mistake, right? So we're going to end on there today, but we're not going to, we're not going to dwell on there. But remember when we talked about, um, we talked about how Noah is not, he's not Jesus, right? He's not this, he's not the first coming of the Messiah. He messed up. He made mistakes. Um, But there is something to learn in what he did in his mistake. Uh, Most notably, what What happens, we're going to start there and then we're going to go back to the beginning. But I want you to see, what did he plant? A vineyard. So he planted a vineyard, which produced grapes, which produced some sort of wine of some sort, right? That's usually how that goes. But what does that mean? What does that mean? He planted a vineyard after the flood and it yielded him grapes. What does that mean? A harvest. The earth was cooperating, right? <laughs> the earth was cooperating. God says that he's going to not curse, right? He's not going to curse the ground and humans again. So the earth is cooperating. There is some sort of newness of life that has come out of this flood. There is some sort of newness of life. It takes, a, in my understanding, it takes a lot to grow a vineyard, right? I'm not a vineyard person, whatever you call, <laughs> whatever the people are who, who make, you know, who grow the vineyards, but it takes a lot to be able to do that. And so we see that there is some newness of life here, that there is some cooperation between Noah and the earth. All right, we're going to go back up. There's a couple of things that I want to hit on here. Um, just to wrap up our time in Noah, the first is we're going to just look at Noah getting ready to leave the ark and then we're going to get to Noah leaving the ark. Um, because there's a lot of preparation that Noah goes through to leave the ark, right? Go back to verse 4. In the seventh month, and the 17th day of the month, the ark came to rest on the mountains of Ararat. So it's interesting. I'm going to tell you this, and then I want to get your reactions just to other things. But I, I wanted to share this with you. Um, there's a little wordplay in this verse. Uh, and the verb came to rest in Hebrew It's the name from which Noah is derived. So in a little wordplay, you could say that the ark was Noahed on the mountains of Ararat. I just, I really love how the writers of the Bible kind of give us these little, they call in like video games, they call them Easter eggs. um, Little things that are, are put throughout. It meant something to the people who actually heard this, right, and spoke the language. To us, they're Easter eggs because we have to kind of find them and, and, and look at them. It's just kind of a little neat how, how uh, God has the writers of the Bible leave some of these things here. Also to remind us that Noah is still in that ark, right? He's still in the ark even after it's rested. All right, in that whole passage that I just read, anything jump out at you? Sue, thank you for waiting for... The microphone.
0: The fact, uh, let's see, blah, 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 In the last chapter that you read. Nine? Yes. yes. Yep. You talk about the birds and the beast and everything being all creature that move along the ground and upon the fish of the sea, etc., They are given into your hands. Everything that lives and moves will be food for you, just as I gave you the green plants. I now give you everything. So obviously, somewhere in the Levitical law, they decided that some of the—of course, they couldn't eat it with the lifeblood. It goes on to say, Mm -hmm. but you must not eat meat that it's lifeblood still with its lifeblood still in it. But somewhere in the Levitical law, it came about that some things were unclean until the vision and was it X mm-hmm. that all the sheet was let down <laughs> and all animals could yeah. be eaten again. Yeah. So I don't know. That just kind of jumped out, jumped out at you. Yeah.
1: Cause it went from not eating meat, right. To you can eat, to, you, could eat anything, you could eat anything, anything it didn't have blood in it. Right. And then, and then only and then, some things.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: And then back open again. Yeah. 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 Warren and then Linda.
2: I got the Lutheran study Bible, mm-hmm. and in here it talks about lifeblood. Yes. Lifeblood does not mean you can't eat meat. It means that you can't eat blood. Yeah. Because the pagans eat the blood in their pagan rituals. Right. So we can eat the meat. We just cannot eat or drink the blood. Blood,
1: right, yeah. It's gross. Yeah.
0: Linda? <laughs> the thing that jumped out at me was uh, in um, the 11th uh, verse. It says, and the dove came back to him in the evening, and behold, in her mouth was a freshly plucked olive leaf. Yes. Where did this olive olive tree come from? Yes. If That's everything okay. had been destroyed
1: and it's freshly plucked it's freshly plucked yeah it's not an old dead one right uh okay oh wait you, look we're gonna stay on this side of the room and then we'll come over that yeah we'll let larry get a rest yes
0: I, I thought it was interesting um i remember a devotion just recently that talked about ravens eat dead flesh yep and that was why the raven didn't come back yeah the dove would wouldn't do that right so was the significance between a raven and a dove yes
1: yes and i'll I'll touch on that a little bit but i'm glad you ran into that as well it's that's interesting right because you could look at it and say oh okay what's the significance of a raven what's this you know but it's interesting
6: i I think that uh a lot of time passes i mean long enough for a tree to grow Mm -hmm. and for a branch to be picked and then like you said it takes a while to cultivate a vineyard, so we're not talking a week or two. We're probably talking several years in order for things to have actually come back to, to life so that they could exist.
1: Yeah, so it is a long time, but it is just about a year. The calculations are that it was a solar year, um, not a lunar year, So, um, but a solar year. But olive trees also were very hardy. And resistant, and although it says that it, the earth was destroyed, the emphasis is really on who. What are the? What are the? What is it really on? Who was destroyed? People and animals, right? Um, and so I think I would just—this is me speculating here, right? That uh, if you have a hardy tree, right, that a flood wouldn't necessarily wipe it out forever right? Um, It does not say that, um, and every palm tree was destroyed and every, you know, all these things. The earth was destroyed, but something as hardy as an olive tree, from what I understand, they are very hardy. And so it could have been even not a very big olive tree, right? It could have just been a little bit. And then I also say, God may have just put the olive tree there, right? I mean, because what is Noah doing here? He's waiting, you kind of get the feeling that Noah's not really ready to, to venture out until he has like that final okay from God. And up until now, he's listened to God in every single thing that he has done, right? He, Noah shows us a really great obedience that we can learn from. Um, he shows us this, and, and right up until this time, Noah's not really, he doesn't want to really leave the ark, right? But can you blame him? Um, until God says it's time to go, and what would God do? God would use something that Noah would understand would be a sign that it's safe to come out. Um, he wants to make sure that all is safe before he disembarks. Uh, and it's he uses that, you know, hatch. He doesn't go with the side door um, that he opens, but he uses the hatch or the arcs, on the ark's roof. It's his responsibility to figure out if it's safe to let everybody out, Right. It's his responsibility. God has spoken to Noah. Noah has spoken to his family, has been in charge of the animals. It's going to be Noah's responsibility to make sure that everyone is safe to get out. He doesn't want to act foolishly. Um, So he's actually waiting for the moment of departure. He's waiting for God's command. He sends out the birds. um, And it's interesting to note that Noah uses the birds to determine the conditions of the earth. Up until now, he's receiving all this information really directly from God, right? He got the plans from God. He he knew when to go in the ark. But now God is using using the land around him to give him those, you know, cues, really, that it's okay to come out of the ark. So Noah's wondering, you know, God doesn't tell Noah when the ground is ready to be habitable. He uses this revelation from this dove. Yes, ravens were carrion birds, right? So the, the carrion bird would have had lots to do. He would, that, that bird would have had lots to do. Carrion birds are also what? Where do they typically fly? You know this. You see all those turkey vultures out there, right? <laughs> one one Sunday morning, I came in. There was a turkey turkey vulture it was still in the steeple. Was there? Was at the top of the steeple, and I thought this is not a good sign. <laughs> um, it is looking for something, right? They fly. They do, but but when they're circling, they fly high, right? They start. They start to fly high. That that steeple was another forty feet top, tall on top of on top of our, our roof, so it was looking. But doves, they're valley birds, right? They go, they stay in the lower parts. They can't fly that high. So Noah would have been able to figure out that it's okay, right? It's not just, it's not just the tops of the mountains that are safe yet. Um, but if an olive tree is growing somewhere, it's probably going to be closer down to the ground, and it's safer to come out. John?
5: As a former dove hunter, at least the does oh, in this country. Oh, John. Now, just the point is, there's another thing. Dogs do not like to get their feet wet. They will risk death to avoid that. If you're hunting them and they, they them know the waters are there and there's a thunderstorm or something coming, they will they will just bore in and shoot if you must, but i got to get that hmm. corn off the ground before my feet get wet.
1: Interesting. They do not like that. I do I do not like dove hunting, but they, it's your your prerogative. So, but that's interesting. So they wouldn't have wanted to stay right to stay there. Um. So earlier we noted that there was no navigational equipment uh, or sailors on board, right, of this arc. Um, and that was in that was in opposition of the other flood stories that were around that time. That. Those did have navigational equipment or sailors on board. It's really important that we know that this is on purpose here, right? Because we want to remember that the only reason that Noah made it through here is because of God's grace. It actually allows Noah to, to be able to testify to this being God's grace that he didn't have a professional crew with him. Um, and interesting, again, with the raven and the dove, in the other stories, like Gilgamesh and different, you know, Mesopotamian stories about the flood, they actually reverse it. They start with the dove, and then they go to the raven, which is just interesting. It makes a little bit more sense the way that God has it done here. All right, let's, uh, so Noah has prepared to leave the ark, right? There's been great preparation here. Uh, and now Noah leaves the ark. Verses 15 and 16. Um, God said to Noah, go out of the ark, you and your wife and you, your sons and your son's wives with you. So Noah already knows that the earth is prepared, that they can get off of the the ark because the dove has not returned. Um, Evidently, you know, Noah doesn't want to just leave. He wants to have this confirmed by God. Um, And notice that God is still only speaking to Noah, right? So Noah was in charge of getting everybody onto the boat. Noah was in charge of getting everybody off the boat. God's going to release Noah Noah is going to release everyone else and every animal in turn Let's look at 20 through 22. I'm not going to reread them. Um, but How is Noah going to orient himself to this dry ground? He's been floating on water for 365 days That's a long time. The first thing Noah does is what? Builds yeah, he builds an altar. He he worships God, right? He worships God um This is the first reference in the Bible to building an altar. So that doesn't mean that we should conclude that Noah didn't worship God before. It's just interesting that there had not been an altar built before this time. The point here is that Noah's first act indicates his faith that God has brought him through the flood. Noah knows who's in in charge and who has been responsible, right? Um, So what can we learn from Noah here? The first thing he does is worship God. He realizes and recognizes that the only way he and his family made it off the ark is by the grace and care of God. So my question, as we wrap this Noah study up, is for you just to consider how and when do we worship God? Is it only during a structured worship service? Or do you worship God when the opportunity arises, when you get off the boat, <laughs> when you're just reacquainting yourself with dry land? Um what does what does that worship look like? When do you worship God? You don't have to answer this, just think about it. Noah gives us this example of this faith in God and this belief that God is in charge and God has brought him through this. So just to look at our own lives, when do we worship God? Do we worship God when when we realize that he's in charge and that he has brought us safely through something? Or do we or do we wait, you know, till somebody else kind of Invites us to worship. Noah. Noah does this out of response, um, which I think is a, a great example to us. Um, God doesn't speak to Noah about his pronouncement of the "I will never again curse the ground because of humankind." He says it in his own heart. Um, this is important because if it were based on Noah's sacrifice or the aroma from Noah then it would be more in line with all the other flood accounts in the region at that time when sacrifices could sway a God's actions, right? Warren brought up the drinking of blood. Um, This would be more in line with what other religions were practicing. So it's it's more stressed on that this is something that God has said in his own heart um, and that he's not telling Noah, because you did this, I'm not going to curse the ground. Similarly, we have in verse 22, as long as the earth endures, sea time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. These are not a response of cultic actions. God's actually just going to provide for the world, but not because of Noah's sacrifices. All the other religions of that time were thought to be able to sway the gods, gods, right, um, to bring rain, to bring light to bring sun and god says that's not who i am i'm just going to do it because i'm because i'm your god right you haven't done anything that can make that happen let's jump down to verse 17 and in, in chapter 9 uh god said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant that i have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth so the thrust of this covenant is that the flood is unique the possibility sorry a future judgment is not eliminated but that judgment isn't going to become come as a flood. It reinforces that one time sending of the flood and God then kind of wipes out the chance that there's going to be a second flood. Um, Also interesting that he attaches the sign of a bow in the sky. Um, It's interesting because this is a common motif at that time that a bow, what is a bow normally not a rainbow, what does a bow normally symbolize? Hunting, right? Yeah, so strength and and a warrior. But God, what does our God do? I just I love this. So it usually it's it's a it's a sign of war, it's a sign of strength, and God instead says this is going to be a sign, a reminder to me. So often when we see rainbows, I, I know I do this. I'm, I would venture guess other people in here do too. Hey, that's, that's the reminder. That's the sign. But God says that this is going to be a sign to himself. And instead of it being a sign of destruction and death, it's a sign of mercy and grace. So instead of the warrior, God changes it around and, and shows us mercy and grace. It's interesting to me that this is a sign that's for God's benefit that he's going to remember, um, and it's that would, could lead us to the question, is God capable of a lapse in memory? Um, that's not true, right? It's, it's more along the lines, this is the way I view, it, of how God gives us the sacrament of baptism and the sacrament of communion. Um, God doesn't need those things, right? We need those things. So even though this rainbow is a sign for God – God has said, I'm going to remember it. And just by the way, just so there's no question here, I can't ever forget. Even if you think I could forget humanity, right? Even if you, ju- you doubt me, I'm showing you that I put this there just so you know that I'm not going to forget. To me, <laughs> that, is a, that is a very merciful and loving God. God could just be like, hey, listen, I said I wasn't going to do it again, right? Um, instead, he put something that we get to see a long time, 6,000 years later, I'm not sure, (laughs) a billion years later, right, that we get to see and we remember, oh yeah, God said he's not going to do this again. And that's a reminder uh, to us. God, we don't have to worry that God is is capable of, of doing this again. He stands by his word, right? He stands by his word. So how does this affect us? How do we see the flood? How do we see the ark if you remember we talked about this last week when you go into a church sanctuary um not king of glories but another one (laughs) uh uh, maybe a more traditional a-frame type of uh, building it's an upside down boat we're reminded that it was god who brought noah and his family through the flood in the sanctuary of the ark It is god that shut them in it was god that called them out it is god that provided mercy and grace for their lives and then repopulated the earth through them um it's god who who invites us to worship him uh just like noah did and it's god who never forgets even when we tend to forget or when we question god again they they talked about this in in the video as well right um in first peter and as a reminder that it's now baptism that saves us. Uh, it's a great illustration from the flood uh, to Jesus. Hi there. Hi, Maya. I right, have a little chair peeking through. Um, <laughs> she's about this big. Uh, and, and so it's a reminder to us that God has, not, God has not done that again. God has not reflooded the earth and that he will always be with us and that he will always extend that mercy to us um, through Jesus Christ. Yes, Linda. Sorry. Yes, please. Just w- thank you for waiting for the
0: microphone. Okay, I have a I have a different take on the bow. Linda. Okay, I've thought of a bow on the top of a package, hmm. a gift. Not the one you talked about.
1: Yes, it. not not the not the yeah
0: no, violent bow. Not the knot, but, <laughs> yeah, and it is a gift. It is a gift. You're right. And I like the rainbow. I do too. <laughs> I, have, I have crystals
4: over hmm. um, a window over French doors and I get the prisms yeah the rainbows and the grandkids call it the rainbow room <laughs>
1: oh how fun <laughs> that's really cute that's really cute John booklist yeah we'll do this side and then this side closing thoughts on Noah
4: the critics of the Bible often uh, say that this is all just a fairy tale mm. but we have to remember that this was not recorded and uh, for generations after the, all these events took place and you can't expect to have all of the precise details because if I were asked to give talk about my family history I'm sure that there would be a lot of missing pieces in there yeah that I couldn't explain uh, but they, people lived it and didn't record it
1: yeah and things are there are different things that are important to us today than were important to people even 30 years ago right the the way that we collect information the way that we report information same thing thousands of years ago uh this is this is this is enough right this is enough we don't have to have every little detail and even if we did john i think that we would still try to pick it apart (laughs) you know i think we'd still try to find things wrong with us yes
6: it's interesting to me uh the Or I think we forget or don't give credit to the olive branch as Mm. a sign. Yeah. Uh, Here, Mm -hmm. I think this is another sign to Noah saying, hey, I'm replenishing the earth already. Yeah. Because olives were a very important part of the full culture, Mm -hmm. all right? Uh, Secondly... uh, We look at Noah who planted the vineyard. Well, we see God is allowing him to do what he told him to do, Mm -hmm. replenish the earth. And then we look at his worship. Uh, What is worship? Mm Worship. So he's giving, recognizing God's worth to the gift, what, of the ark and everything else. Mm -hmm. So... He is, you know, as we worship other men, and we do, how do we determine their worth? Normally, their contribution, how much they earn, how high of degree they have, et cetera, their accomplishments. So I think Noah here is recognizing what God has accomplished mm-hmm. and giving him his worthship.
1: And I like that idea, though, too. That God is already replenishing the earth, and He doesn't need Noah to do it. Right? He He allows Noah to do it. He allows Noah to plant a vineyard. He invites him into that co. You know, work. God's not gonna just do everything for Noah again. It's not a new. It's not a a new creation account. Right? It's just the earth is coming back, and God is bringing that, um, and already already working before Noah's even out of the ark. Right? He's already on it, Karin.
0: So I look at this as a refresh. Yes. As a restart. Yeah. Let's push those buttons (laughs) and let it happen. Because obviously the plants came back, the trees came back, there was fresh water Mm -hmm. from the rain, which was deposited in specific places. Mm but I like the refresh. Yeah. Let's start again. Start again. Yep. God said, I'm going to cleanse the earth. Mm-hmm. Let's try it again. So somebody's doing something right
1: today. <laughs> yeah. Well, I also think if, if I can just jump to baptism then for a second, that's why Luther says every morning you can make the sign of the cross and remember your baptism, right? Um, so that you are, you start again. It's a new day. You are refreshed. You are living in your baptismal grace. Yesterday, <laughs> let's, yesterday may have been a disaster, right? Um, today, let's remember our baptism that we walk around as a refreshed and renewed people. Yes. Roger, do you want to take us home? Yeah. No? Okay. <laughs>
6: A couple of things struck out to me is in 8.22, when uh, God gives Noah the promise he won't destroy earth, he kind of hedges it as long as the earth endures. Mm -hmm. So that kind of lets open that there's an end time. Mm -hmm. And also in 9.6, it's probably the first commandment that man's received, shall not kill other people. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. And it has to do with life, right? Yes. And it has to do with um, keeping life keeping life going now that we've had a refresh. Okay. Well, uh, before we pray, I just want to say thank you. You did great um, with this study. I know there's lots of questions. I love how uh, Mr. Klaus at the end says, you know, nobody has any questions, right? <laughs> you know, I'm sure we, we all have this figured out. Um, but remembering, too that there's more to this story right than just getting the facts right or getting the uh, getting the scientific account to match and ours to match a scientific account. there's m- more going on here um, and there's a greater greater vision of what God is doing and what God invites us to be part of um, as he as he has continued to let the earth go right He, he has continued to, to withhold whatever that end is. Um, and so that means we have, we have work to do, right? (laughs) We have work to do. We have work to do as living as his people and as sharing his love with other people so that more people would know him. All right. So let's pray. And just reminder, no Bible study next week. Let's prove the theory wrong that no one comes to book club studies and come on June 19th or watch online and tell us you're here. Okay, let's pray. Thank you, God, for this day. Thank you for your blessing of your word. Um, Holy Spirit, thank you for giving us um, new eyes and a new heart to see uh, what has happened uh, in the Noah account and also how we can live afresh and anew in our baptismal graces. Um, Thank you for saving us. Thank you for um, withholding the end of the earth so that more people will come to know you. Let us never tire of sharing your love with other people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to the King of Glory Church Education Podcast. Our mission is to connect to God and his people, grow in faith and love, and live through service and sharing. Visit us on the web at kogva.org.